0: Alrighty then. How are we doing, ladies and gentlemen, our beautiful, audible viewers? Welcome into yet another episode of the Get Around After Dark presented by Jimmy John's. This time we are here to wrap up week five of the prep football season, in which we saw all three Traverse City teams post a shutout victory in their first conference games. And There was a big showing by each one of these teams. The Gladiators got their first shutout of the season, along with the Titans of Traverse City West grabbing their first shutout and second BNC victory over Alpena as they traveled to the east side of the Mitten. There are plenty of games to get to this evening, and we will go just a bit more in-depth on each one of these. But we did have our two lovely sports reporters, James Cook and Brett Summers, out in the field this evening meaning I am left alone in the podcast studio all by myself to bring to you all of the scores, updates, and analysis that I can while we shoot out to Brett for his analysis and recap of the Traverse City Central win 28-0 to over Gaylord for their first Big North Conference victory. And we will go out to James Cook, who is on the road in Bel-Air to witness the renewal of the M88 rivalry between Central Lake and Bel-Air. And he went out a little early. I know he got stuffed up by the rain, but we're going to shoot to him in just a while. But just to get started off with, I wanted to dive in on the Traverse City-St. Francis game, which they did come out on top 49-0. Danny Passano showed up once again, and it only took him about five seconds to put some numbers on the board. He returned the opening kickoff 98 yards for a touchdown, and that is the first time that the Gladiators have started off a game like that in at least two or three seasons, according to head coach Josh Schellers, and that really gave them a boost, obviously, with the shutout. Seven points is all they needed, but Danny Passano would come back and score again just under nine minutes in the first quarter and put them up 14-0 and really springboard the Gladiators to a big victory. Spencer Hathaway came along with an interception from the defensive line on a screen pass that set up an Evan McGee score, but they definitely look dominating in that game. Traverse City-St. Francis has been rolling to start this season. They are now 5-0, and and according to Coach Josh Sellers, what they've been doing in these big blowout games is letting their number twos play, and their number twos haven't done a bad job in every game that they have played. Their second-string offense has scored points. Uh, the defense has held pretty tough, and they even had their second-string help with that shutout tonight. So Traverse City-St. Francis is off to a good start. So now we have Brett Summers joining us from the road after he just saw Traverse City Central defeat Gaylord 28-0. to And we want to get some reaction from Brett. And, you know, I have a few questions for you. To begin with, you know, Tobin Schwanake showed back up, had over 100 yards rushing in the game, obviously led the the Trojans to yet another big victory. Do you think that he has bounced back from kind of a, disappointing game and the Patriot game offensively from him?
1: Well, I think Tobin bounced back, but more importantly, I think the entire Traverse City Central team bounced back. You know, I guess I was a little surprised uh, to hear from a couple of the players I talked to and head coach Eric Sugars after the game just kind of how sour a taste was left in their mouth from that loss and the fact that Coach Sugars admitted that it really kind of lingered into the week. Uh, in terms of their preparation and, and before they were really able to finally focus on this game against Gaylord and, and know what it, exactly it was that they were going to do. And the game plan itself tonight maybe wasn't exactly what you'd expect. You know, Central only threw the ball six times in the whole game, which, I mean, last week against West, they threw it 32 times. So that, you know, it was a little bit unbalanced in terms of run-to-pass ratio. Coach Sugars also said that that was the mindset that they wanted to put forth in this game as far as controlling the game and just running it down Gaylord's throat. And I think it was a, it's not something he said, but kind of from what I was gathering, it sounded like they wanted to do that because they wanted to feel like they were in control. Last week, West did not let Central. Uh, feel in control, and the Trojans really wanted that back. So, yes, Tobin Schwanke played better. Sam Schmidt had a huge game, four touchdowns, two on the ground, two receiving for the Trojans. Uh, The defense played pretty well. Uh, Cade Foster for Gaylord, that's the first time I've got to see him play live. He's, as advertised, a very talented running back, had almost 170 yards on the ground, uh, but Gaylord couldn't get in the end zone because the defense uh, tightened up around the red zone.
0: I did want to ask you about the Trojans' defense. They did get that shutout 28-0 to in that Big North game. Obviously, like you said, Cade Foster has done some pretty big things as a part of that Gaylord offense, but they did a good job of shutting them down. What did you see out of them this week?
1: Well, again, I saw a lot of different guys making plays. You know, you had your typical standouts, Jack Sherwin, Moswin Kirksey doing big things, but then there was a play in particular in the first half when things were still pretty close. Gaylord had marched down the field. They had the ball in the red zone. and Granted, it was a fourth down. It was a do-or-die play for the Blue Devils, uh, but they, they had a great play call. Kate Foster got out of the backfield on a wheel route, was virtually wide open in the end zone, and you know maybe quarterback found Foster a little bit late, but in any case, uh, Noah Norton, he stepped up big. He saw the play developing, even though that wasn't his coverage assignment. And he got over there and uh, basically broke up the pass, knocked down and, and forced a turnover on downs. And you know, that was just one of several key plays made by different people that really kind of changed momentum in the game. Maslin Kirksey, who I mentioned, two interceptions. One of them came in the end zone. Uh, when the Blue Devils decided to test him in one-on-one coverage on a fade route to the corner, uh, which, in my opinion, that's never a very smart idea because Moslem Kirksey is about as good of a lockdown corner as you get. So just a lot of guys stepping up, a lot of guys making plays when and where needed.
0: So just quickly, what does this do for the Trojans now that they have their first Big North Conference win under their belt moving forward into the season?
1: Well, it's a a little bit of a waiting game, you know, not for, not for central, so to speak. You know, you know, they're going to be focused on the individual opponent each week, Uh, but this really looking at the schedule to me was the biggest test after West. And the waiting game comes in to see whether the Titans drop a game. Uh, They went up to Alpina tonight, played a fairly close game with the Wildcats, but did win that one 21-0. I, I guess this result just tells me that Central probably isn't going to lose the rest of the way in the Big North. So the only way the conference standings are going to get shaken up by the end of the year is if uh, West succumbs to an unexpected loss. So something left we'll to keep an eye on, but you know, we talked in the podcast on Tuesday that you know I, I think that West is the favorite to win the BNC. I don't, I don't think that changes. But it also reaffirmed to me the saying that Central is going to finish the regular season 8-1. and
0: one. Of course. Now we want to thank Brett Summers for joining us from outside the studio after going all the way out to Gaylord this Friday evening. But that is going to segue us into our Traverse City West at Alpena game, where the Titans came away with a 21-0 shutout victory over their Big North Conference foe. The defense showed up once again in that Titans-style throwing around their bodies, a good defensive game. As a team, according to Coach Greg Vaughn, nobody really stood out in any number of tackles. Most time it was group tackles, and the big thing about the defense this week is they forced three turnovers, including a 35-yard scoop and score fumble recover from Brayden Rubinas. Christian Boyvin and Brandon Heath forced those other two turnovers, and one of the big things that happened for the Titans is their offense didn't turn over the ball for the first time this season. Sam DeKuyper did run in a one-yard rushing touchdown. Sam DeKuyper also threw a touchdown to the running back Odin Sofferdini in the second half to round out the scoring. Now the Titans move to 2-0 and in the BNC, and they kind of take the reins on their, their destiny coming out of the conference. I did not pick them as my favorite to win it after this past week against Traverse City Central because I was not completely convinced. But after seeing yet another stellar defensive performance by the Titans, one can only question my logic on that because now they are really in the driver's seat and they have a chance to win out and and they know it. They know they're the only ones who can control that and if they can ride this defense as, as far as they have you know, over, over halfway through the season, they're not letting up really anything on anybody no matter what type of playmakers the opponent team has. So the Traverse City West Titans have done a great job They now lead the way and round out our Traverse City teams, all three who had shutouts. And now we have James Cook joining us from the road. He traveled all the way out to Bel Air for the renewal of the M88 rivalry between Central Lake and Bel Air. And James, you did a story on this over the summer about how exciting it was to get that trophy back between these two teams. But what was the atmosphere like out in Bel Air? It's pretty good considering the weather. Um I mean the weather up in Bel
2: Air was I think much worse than Traverse City. During the pregame warm ups the rain was just coming down just torrentially. You know that rain you see where when you see it it just looks like it's coming down in sheets. They were just having that kind of rain during the during the pregame warm ups and, and right before the game and everything and it was like accompanied with High winds, so the, the rain was coming like at a forty-five degree angle, and it—it and it just looked like it was going to be really nasty. About game time, it—it it, uh, you know eased up, but uh, I think that kind of affected the the crowd a little bit at the game. But the good number of people that were there seemed to uh, to really get into the game, uh, especially the Bel Air band, which uh, played some pretty good songs during the during the game.
0: Of course, now obviously everybody was out out in full force for this game, and. We want to mention that you know Central Lake did win this game. It was by a very short margin, though, James. You know what was the final score out there? And th- does this mean that Central Lake is back to their you know state championship form? I mean, well, it was
2: it was forty to thirty six. Uh, you know, you know, the first half they led at one point twenty six to nothing, and it was just complete ground and pound uh, football for Central Lake. Uh, you know, they ran eighteen plays in the first quarter, and every one of them was a running play. On three different drives, and uh, you know they were just determined to just just run the ball right at Bel Air. I mean, they had a little bit of a size advantage and everything, so they were going to take advantage of that. And they also have their two incredible running backs in Skylar Spangler and Grant Peppa. Now, What's interesting is they got to the fourth down or fourth quarter, and they needed to pick up a third and long to you know to, to basically salt this game away. Now, they had, the other was out of timeouts and they needed to get this one more first down so they could run the clock out. And after running the ball 71 times to Papinow and Spangler, they went to Austin Bay on this, you know, crucial third and long. And he was able to uh, to scamper to the left there and run out of bounds and get the first down. And that pretty much ended the game. They were able to just kneel on the ball after that. Um, you know, and he was pretty effective being four for five. Uh, I think it was like for seventy yards or something like that, and a touchdown but uh when he when he threw the ball, it looked good and uh you know hopefully this is kind of maybe a a coming out party for him you know they Gavin Mortensen last year really was one, uh, a key cog in that engine, and uh you know they obviously have two back in Pepinow and Spangler.
0: Now, just on the other side of things, I did want to ask you, you know, Air has been back and forth at the beginning of the season, but what did you see out of them in that second half, that, that fight? Well, I mean,
2: they they pretty much kind of, they didn't really change a whole lot in the second half as far as their their game plan. I mean, they started throwing the ball a little bit more just because they weren't able to to run too effectively in the first half. But they, you know, they threw the ball a decent amount in the first half as it was. Um, they just uh, weren't able to do it as effectively because in the first half, everything was pretty wet because of the uh, conditions of all that rain right before the game. Um, You know, they had two drives early in the game where, uh, you know, where Luke Nepoth, you know, went back to throw the ball. And as he's bringing the ball back, it just slips out of his hand. And, uh, you know, so that kind of cost them two of their opening drives there in the the first half. And, you know, maybe you get those, those possessions back and maybe this is a different game but uh you know so the weather kind of did play into that but then in the second half they got their passing game going and nepoth ended up with almost 300 yards receiving three for four touchdowns and then uh connor nepoth had a couple of really long touchdowns to help him one on uh, a screen pass that he took for i think 82 yards and a kick return that he returned for almost
0: 80 as well so now that i am left to myself in the studio we are going to do A brief rundown of the rest of the games that happened during week five of prep football. I'm going to give you a couple leaders from each one of these games, but we did see the games stay on the ground a lot this week with the wind and the rain that went through the northern Michigan area. Some wind gusts got as high as 40 or 50 miles an hour on Friday evening up in the area, and it really played havoc in the passing game. It really made a difference. And you'll see by some of the stat leaders that I give you, most of the impressive performances came on the ground, but to start with one through the air, we'll go over to Mancelona where Elk Rapids traveled out there, and the Elks improved to 4-1 and one after they took down Mancelona 50-14. to 14. Uh, Alex Villegas, he grabbed three catches for 70 yards and a touchdown from Gordy LaFontaine who totaled 225 yards in that game, but... 90 of those yards of LaFontaine's came off of a single play when he connected with Riley Williams on a 90-yard passing score that kind of sealed the deals for the Elks and put them up for good. But Alex Viegas also returned a 81-yard kickoff for a score, so he showed up big for the Elks in that game. Now they will go on to host Glen Lake next week, which is a pretty interesting matchup. Mancelona will travel out to Frankfurt for Week 6, where we will jump to next Frankfurt won a close game with Charlevoix by the final score of 20-12. Connor Smith led the way with two rushing touchdowns, including one from 46 yards out. He had 11 carries for 140 yards, and he also added 10 tackles on defense. Jack Stefanski added an 8-yard run, but really couldn't do much through the air. Our next game I want to run over is the Johannesburg-Lewiston and Gaylord-St. Mary matchup. Joburg, the Cardinals came out on top of that game, 43 to seven. They now move to four and one, and Kevin Geringer really stepped it up for the Cardinals. 25 carries, 200 yards, including three rushing touchdowns. Brett Crandell offset him on the ground with 16 carries and 61 yards for the Cardinals. Tanner Schimmel also had a uh, touchdown on the ground, and he had two interceptions on defense. So he's been showing up on both sides of the ball for Joburg so far this season. And they might be one of those teams that are 4-1 and one and be surprising some people, but Joburg will be playing Charlevoix next week, who did drop their game against Frankfurt. So it's looking pretty good for them to go 5-1. and one. Forest Area took on Ashley in some 8-player football action and trounced them 50-8. Eric Burke led the way with 17 carries, 197 yards, and three rushing touchdowns, but that was not all for him. He was on the defensive side of the ball making plays. He forced a fumble and also had an interception, including four tackles on the day. Forest Area came out on top in the turnover margin when Johnny Stasio recovered a fumble and Dylan Olson also recovered a fumble. They will head out to Bel Air, who we just talked about with Central Lake, next week, for another pretty interesting matchup, Forest Area has been running pretty good so far this season. Our next game will be the Kingsley Stags, led by head coach War. Now moving to 4-1 and one after that loss to St. Francis. They destroyed Kalkaska 65-18, to and they did it as a team. There were six different Stags who scored in this game. They were led by Payson Caballero with 13 carries for 104 yards. He had a rushing touchdown, and he also returned a kickoff, 95 yards for a score. So that seems to be a theme a little bit this week. We had multiple guys bring back kickoff returns to the house, and those are always electrifying plays and really big momentum swings. Other scorers included Aiden Mullen with two touchdowns. Owen Graves had a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. Tyler Inthazone, their quarterback, had two passing touchdowns and his own rushing touchdown. Justin Weeks added a rushing touchdown, and Ian Souza is the one who caught that pass from Inthazone. So there was definitely a lot of sharing going on as they came out of that game victorious. Kalkaska has not looked completely sharp this season. 18 points. I know they had some pretty big plays um, against the Stags, but it obviously was not enough to catch up. Kingsley will be hosting Benzie Central while Kalkaska hosts Grayling for their matchups next week. Misik squeezed out a victory against Marion 26-20. Now they're two and one in the Western Michigan D League or in the West Michigan D League, and their defense showed up at the end of the game. Kyle Klo led them with six tackles, a tackle for loss, and a fumble recovery, while Wade Stagg had five tackles and a fumble recovery as well. Their quarterback, Joey Stewart, went fifteen for twenty passing on a windy day with 173 pass yards, two touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, and he did throw an interception, but he helped out on defense trying to make up for that with ten tackles. Now, Benzie Central fell to 3-2 in their game against Sheboygan. Sheboygan just squeaked by by a final score of 40-36. to 36. Tom Ross led the way for the Huskies. He had 69 rushing yards with a touchdown, 112 receiving yards with a touchdown, and he also had 12 tackles on defense. Their quarterback, Joe Wade, threw for 156 yards and rushed for 116 of his own with a couple touchdowns, but it just wasn't enough to get past Sheboygan. The Norsemen of Sutton's Bay came out and did what they've done pretty much all season and scored a lot of points and held their opponent to not so many and they won by a final score of 48 to 0 over Brethren so Sutton's Bay moves to 4-1 and one and you know Lucas sell has been stepping up for them the entire season he has 15 carries 169 yards and three rushing touchdowns in this game alone but he wasn't the only one who was running all over Brethren. They actually had three players over 130 rushing yards, and each one of them scored a touchdown. Caleb Smith added 17 carries for 142 yards with his touchdown, and Cameron Knob had 11 carries for 132 yards with a rushing touchdown for him. Quarterback Bryce Opie went 6-for-8 passing with 104 yards, and he also threw two touchdowns, both of those to Eric Halverson, their speedster. He had 94 receiving yards and he also had 8 tackles on defense. They will host Ashley next week who Forest Area just defeated 50 to 8. So they will look to keep on rolling. Cadillac toppled for the fourth time this season. Uh, now only one in four. They lost to Wyoming Godwin Heights 28 to 21. Their quarterback Tip Baker had 54 rushing yards with two rushing touchdowns, but he could not get anything going through the air. He was only 3 of 7 passing for 16 yards. Colin Johnston added 69 yards on the ground with a touchdown. Cadillac will go for their first Big North Conference matchup against Gaylord at home next week, so we'll see how they fare and how the BNC starts to shake out. We only have a few games left to talk about, as Manistee stays undefeated, going 5-0 with their win over Muskegon Orchard View. Trevor Johns, really impressive day for Manistee. 16 carries, 192 yards, and two rushing touchdowns. He also turned on the other side of the ball and had 10 tackles. Bryson Jensen had 11 carries for 67 yards and another touchdown. And their other multiple scorer was Blake Mikula, with 67 rush, rushing yards and a score, and 58 receiving yards and a score through the air. Manistee is going to be hosting a home game at Elma College against Gabriel Richard next week, so make sure you travel out there and check them out at Elma College on the big stage. And staying in Manistee, Manistee Catholic Central put the biggest win up that I believe I've seen this season, uh, the final score of 68-0 to over Baldwin. Jose Hernandez had 11 carries for 211 yards with three rushing touchdowns in that game. Eric Stinkney also had a 36-yard 30, rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. And Nolan Fortier also had a rush rushing score. Now, even after a big win like this, Manistee Catholic Central will be going out to face Onekama next week. And that'll be a big game to watch. Uh, Onekama has been very, very high-powered, and they play on Saturday this week. But they've scored close to 60 points in a game, so it must must look like it's going to be a shootout. And to wrap up our roundup for this week five, Manton moved to 4-1 and one after squeaking by Everett, 32-26. to 26. Jacob Hahn rushed for 115 yards. He passed for another 75, and he had three rushing scores. Nick Dunham added two on the ground, and Gavin Summers led the way on defense with seven tackles. Manton actually just played their final home game of the year. They will be on the road the rest of the season, so if you want to see Manton, you're going to have to be traveling with them. And they go out to play McBain uh, next Friday, so that's going to do it for your roundup with me. So before I let all of our lovely listeners go back to their daily routines, I would like to give you my top three matchups for next week so you can go out and watch some very good football. There are some good games coming up. Benzie Central, who is sitting at 3-2, is heading over to Kingsley. Kingsley has been rolling this season with the exception of that St. Francis game, and they just put up another 65 points. And this is a big game against the Benzie Central Huskies. They are 3-2 trying to make sure their season is on track and really even that record with the Stags. Another game that is... Quite interesting would be the Manistee Catholic Central Sabres, who are 4-1. and one. They are traveling over to the eight-player football powerhouse this year in the Onekama Portagers, who, at the recording of this podcast, are 4-0. and oh. They did play on Saturday during Week 5, but with the way that they have been doing things... I expect this to be a very, very good game. Manistee Catholic Central just put up 68 points on Baldwin, and that's about the number of points that Onekama has been putting up on a weekly basis. So I would like to see that game turns into as big of a shootout as I expect. And the last game for us to get into is Glen Lake at Elk Rapids. Glen Lake is now 2-3 and three after falling to Gladstone this week, and Elk Rapids is now 4-1 and one after their last victory. So Glen Lake is... Really still trying to put their wheels back on this on their season. And you know, my hot take of them not making the playoffs after being so good over the last few years is starting to look like it's coming to fruition. So this is really where they have to turn it around with only four weeks left in the season. If they want to make the playoffs, this is where they need to win out and do it. So this is a game that really means a lot for the Lakers. But before we go, I do have a few things to mention. Regarding our normal podcast that will come out this coming Tuesday, it is our 50th episode. Yes, we are officially going over the hill. We've talked about doing quite a few big things for our 50th episode, and one of those things is we will have the Detroit Red Wings winger Andreas Antanasio on for an interview with our very own Brett Summers. He had a chance to sit down with him at training camp. And we were lucky enough to get a few signed hockey pucks by the Red Wings forward. Those will be given away on our normal Get Around podcast on Tuesday over the next few weeks. So make sure that you get on in there and give us a listen on Tuesday because we have a lot of exciting things coming your guys' way, including some more giveaways like that and this week's giveaway for the Get Around After Dark since we are now sponsored once again We are going to give away two Jimmy John's sandwiches on the get-around after dark. Something that we haven't done before is, you know, do a giveaway on one of our short episodes. But make sure that you guys share on Facebook, retweet this episode for your chance to be entered in for two coupons for a free sub at Jimmy John's. But with that being said, that is going to do it for my long stint in the studio alone I hope everybody out there enjoyed this episode of the Get Around After Dark presented by Jimmy Johns. Make sure you come back on Tuesday to listen for the ways to win that puck and hear our interview with the Red Wings forward and also take a look out for our newsletter on Saturday mornings which will highlight all the biggest stories from the Friday Night Football Madness. So without further ado, I've been your host, Jake Adnip. Thank you for listening and we'll see you on Tuesday.